You're listening to The Beltway Briefing, a podcast from Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies with perspectives from both sides of the aisle. Now for political insight and strategy, let's get started with your hosts. Hi, this is Caitlin Martin. I'm Towner French. This is Patrick Martin. This is Mark Alderman. This is Howard Schweitzer. Mark and Caitlin, we're back. It's September. August is over. Mark, I, I'm sorry to break the news. You have to get off the golf course. Your fans, Mark, your fans should know that you've taken up the game you routinely mock. You've now, you're now officially a golf hypocrite. I'm, I'm like the reformed smoker, Howard. Now that I'm in, I'm all in. And anyone who doesn't revere the game of golf is obviously a fool. Okay, well, there you go. See, Caitlin, we have them. Yeah. We got them. So yeah. I thought we'd talk today about Greek politics, <laughs> uh, but no, you don't want to do that? Okay. Hey, I got a lot of questions. Trump versus Biden. Who do we like more? You'd be surprised how many uh, Greeks asked me that question. I'm not surprised, actually. <laughs> All right. So interesting backdrop. This week, Queen Elizabeth passed away. The whole world seemed to stop and celebrate her life. I mean, it is a pretty amazing life she lived, 70 years being the Queen of England and, you know, a stoic, strong figure. Um, Definitely figure is the right word, like she's a figurehead, but symbolic. And I mean, it was amazing baseball games and football games and schools and here stopped and had moments of silence and flags at half mast and i lowered our flag to half mast to show respect oh mark that's such a rich comment but i won't go there (laughs) but i i mean it struck me the irony struck me this is a monarchy that we (laughs) (laughs) broke away from there was a revolution to leave British rule. And here we are celebrating her like she's one of our own, which just, it just, it just really struck me. And I I think we should, Uh, I'm not saying we shouldn't, but it just struck me the backdrop of that against the fact that we have so much division within our own country. And here we are celebrating a monarch that we revolted against a couple hundred years ago. I think, Howard, that uh, we're we're more or less over the revolution. It was a couple centuries back. So uh, I'm not as surprised at the the respect for the institution. I'm not surprised. I just. I'm not surprised at all. It's it's just because the irony is it, it is ironic, but but the institution and especially the individual, especially the queen herself in her long life of service, I think she represented values that we cherish but don't display much yeah. of any longer. It's Maybe. stability and it's integrity mm. and continuity. And we all, as Americans, crave that, and and we're in th- those values are kind of short supply right now. I mean, this is this is the ultimate. I think you use the word institution. 
Mm -hmm. And the right and the left, both in this country, want to tear down institutions. Yeah. And, you know, everybody wants the outsider running. I guess not everybody. I mean, Joe Biden is the ultimate insider. Biden's election was a reaction to try and the ultimate outsider. And at least half the country decided that didn't work well. Right. Which brings me to the man himself, Joe Biden. Uh, you know, Caitlin, he's gotten a lot. A lot has gotten done. Let me put it that way. During been a busy, busy August. A busy August. A busy couple of years. You know, we're out of Afghanistan. We're out of the longest war, um, which he didn't do well, but we're out of it. He's gotten, you know, multiple bills have gotten passed on his watch. They got their reconciliation bill and, and jammed it through. And despite their Republican outrage, it's exactly certainly something Mitch McConnell would do in reverse. You know, things have they got the infrastructure bill done. Things, bipartisan things have gotten done. The CHIPS bill got done. So why is there still, and his approval ratings have inched up. But why is there still so much animosity toward this guy? Why can't we celebrate? Why are we celebrating the institution of the queen, but we can't celebrate a guy who is an institution in Washington and is actually seeing stuff happen on his watch as president? Well, because we live in very, very partisan times. There's a lot of frustration about the reconciliation bill and the way that that was jammed through. And a lot of trust was burned among you know, among senators, and it, there's a sense of frustration in, in the way that that. But 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 you're right to your point about they used the process, they used the reconciliation option that they had, and, and it's the last opportunity to to do so before a potential expected house flip in November. And but but because we live in very partisan times, Howard. Yeah. Well, but I, why? I mean. I guess. I mean, I know we explore that ad nauseum, but but the Biden phenomenon, Howard, I think, is beyond partisanship. Certainly, that's the core of his of his popularity or unpopularity. Half the country is just against him because he's on the other side. But even on our side of the aisle. He, I don't think he is getting the respect from the Democratic Party that he has earned and, and that he deserves. That, yeah. And and that Why? is, well, it, it's a little bit ideological, but only a little bit because he has moved in a progressive direction. I think it is, it, it is visceral. He he lost the confidence of the party along the way. And there were months when not only was nothing getting done, but his presentation of the presidency was wasn't inspiring. And and now that he is coming back to to a degree and getting things done, I just think there's a a lingering lack of enthusiasm for for the man. I don't share that, by the way, but but I think too many in our party just think he overreached, didn't get there, and they just gave up. 
I mean, look, there's a whole generational thing going on in this country yeah. in leadership, yeah. which is very problematic, which is obviously you've got, you know, Biden and Pelosi and Mitch McConnell and Donald Trump. Trump. You've got Schumer, oh, you you've got Hoyer, Clymer. I mean, the, the average age of the Democratic leadership in Washington is is above my age, and that's getting to be a real number these days. So it's Caitlin, it's, you and I didn't say that. <laughs> no, but but I do think uh, there's a whole I think the country and Caitlin, I'm really curious what you think because you talk to a lot of people I don't, and vice versa. I think a majority of this country is just over the Trump show, over the Biden show, over the geriatric generation of leadership thing. And and I think that just drags on on both of them. My I, I don't think anybody disagrees. Well, that that's an, an exaggeration. I think, and I think a lot of people think, the country would be best served if Biden and Trump both walked off, not arm in arm, certainly into the sunset, and and we just turned a page. And I think that holds down. I think that's a ceiling on Biden's popularity. Well, maybe there's a point in there because I I don't agree that they're sick of the Trump show. I mean, people eat it up. And look, there's a reason. The media created Donald Trump. The media continues to pump. Well, Donald up. Trump used the media to create Donald Trump. Uh, it's I mean, a good show, man. Yeah. Mark, it's, the media it's, loves Trump because he drives eyeballs and channel yeah. watching. Yeah. yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. No, and, same point. I was trying to agree with you. Oh, okay. I didn't get <laughs> yeah. that. I didn't get that. But um, no, it gets confusing when I agree with you. you know? I know. Um, I, I just think. I mean, the. I think people never tire of the watching the train wreck. Sadly, um, Biden's hey, not. Hey, do you do you think they, the, Do you think in on your side of the aisle? And I know how you personally feel. Don't you think a lot of people feel like you feel, which is that it, it's just time to move on from that experience? Oh, absolutely. And Mitch McConnell would have loved to have moved on and had better chances in some of these Senate races had Trump not gotten involved in primaries and, and, and helped support some really problematic candidates that are now the reason that the Republicans might not take back the Senate because We've got this phenomenon where he comes in. We're seeing this with some great institutional, moderate members of Congress that are that are no longer that got unseated by Trump challengers and, frankly, nut jobs in some of these cases. And it's it's hurting the chances of the Republican Party to take back the Senate and, in some cases, even take back the House. I mean, we're seeing it's it is not a foregone conclusion, and I think. The, the closer we get to the election, the the more concerned. Even um, you know Tom Emmer, the chairman of the NRCC, said this week, "Guys, we don't stop measuring the drapes. This is not a foregone conclusion. We're in good shape." But look at what's happening in some of these key races. And I think you're absolutely right, Mark. The establishment with Republicans would really love Trump to just sit down and shut up. Frankly, but that's so, been 
the case for a while now. Yeah, but they they won't take them on uh, publicly. You know, look, this town has a long history of people saying one thing and doing another. I, I experienced it myself when I would um, be lambasted by members of Congress for what we were doing in the bailout. And then I'd go back to their offices and they would say, thank you. I mean, that's the way, unfortunately, it's what you say in public that matters. I don't care what you say in the office. I care what you say on television. That's what people eat up. And the Republicans aren't willing to take on Trump. And that's just it. They can wish all they want, but they're not willing to push back. But but Biden is and did. And Caitlin, I'm curious to get your reaction to his Independence Hall speech a couple of weeks back where he talked about, you know, the danger posed to democracy and referenced Trump by name and had the ominous backdrop behind him. And and I, I realize you may not have been here, but I'm sure you watched it since. So what what was your reaction to that? I, what's the reaction on the right? I don't think that that was a helpful, it was a very divisive speech. I don't think that that was helpful for, you know, striking a note of unity. I think his speech this week in Ohio, where he was applauding the opening of new factories and discussing changes and let's not call it the Rust Belt anymore. And this is going to be a center of innovation and praising Republican Senator Rob Portman for all of his support in getting the chips and science bill passed and over the finish line and infrastructure improvements. I think he does better when he focuses on those topics and and strikes a note of unity and doesn't get so deep in in the weeds of of darkness and ultra MAGA Republicans. So I think, you know, he would do better to to continue striking notes like he did in the speech he gave this week and highlighting what he's gotten done. Yeah, that's fair, but nobody covered the speech this week in significant detail. No, I... He had to give that speech, is my view. I wouldn't have done it exactly as he did. I thought the visual was very ominous and unnecessary. He Independence Hall was as good a venue as as he could have picked, but he didn't have to put the two Marines behind him and then bathe himself in black and dark light. It, it didn't look good, especially... For for Joe Biden, who isn't the world's greatest orator, no matter what the, the visual, but he had to give that speech. It was a, a truth to power speech. And the party, his supporters needed to hear that from him. I needed to hear that from him. I don't want him spending the fall repeating that, but he had to place a marker. And now we can move on and talk about chips and not not call in Ohio the Rust Belt. But that there was nothing in that speech, in my view, Caitlin, that wasn't true and that wasn't necessary to say. And and yes, it was divisive, but it it had to be. I almost completely agree, but but not quite. What did and he say that wasn't true? He shouldn't have mixed. As much as I am pro-choice, he should not mix policy into a speech about 
the ultra MAGA tearing down but the country. Fair enough. Fair enough. I I agree. I agree with that. It it, it that was a that was an outlier. That, there that were was a couple of speech. there were a couple of policy references in there that yeah. I just think you lose the intellectual purity of the speech. Right. Right. It was a speech that. about democracy, not right. about policy choices. And again, like I'm as pro-choice as you get. I just don't think it belongs in that speech yeah. unless it's an election speech, yeah. which of course it was. But I think it was a very important speech to give from the point of view of calling out the reality. Look, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I think there are elements of what goes on that remind me of Nazi Germany in the 1930s. And unless you call it out, it it happens. And unless you talk about what happens, it happens again. And so I think from the point of view of calling it out, I think it was entirely appropriate. I just think he took it a bit too far in terms of mixing in policy and he shouldn't have done that. Um, That's my view. The, um, and it was just not a good look. I, when I, I watched it as it was delivered and of course uh, you did. Yeah. Well, it was Philadelphia and my president, our president and, and wow, when it opened up, I thought well, it's like some Star Wars ad. This can't be Joe Biden in Philadelphia. He would have been better off at Pat Stakes. Well, <laughs> earlier that day, he was spotted by our own Patrick Martin in his hometown of Scranton, Pennsylvania. So yeah, yeah. I, he should have given the speech from Scranton. Joe from Scranton. That's still his best look. Joe from Scranton. Jim and, Jim and Patrick and I thought he was going to come give the speech from the country club of Scranton. Um, he didn't show up yeah. there, but Patrick did pass him on the highway. So that, that's, that's funny. Um, yeah, you know, you mentioned the uh, the choice issue and how it, it really didn't belong in, in the Independence Hall speech, which is which is, I think, right. But boy, that I have to say, I underestimated the power of that issue at the polls so far. So far, yeah. Two months ago, two months ago, the Republicans were picking up forty seats. Now they're picking up four seats. Two months from now, it'll be something else. It's a very fluid and volatile time. But at least in the last couple of months since the Dobbs decision, there have been some interesting electoral results around that issue that, that I personally didn't see coming. This, this country is all twisted up, Caitlin. I mean, you got Democrats advocating for things that you'd think Republicans would advocate for and Republicans advocating for things that you'd think Democrats would advocate for. And I'm not talking about abortion policy here. I'm talking more about things like individual rights, states' rights. Like, I, I, it's all twisted up. Law and order. When, when did the Democratic Party become the law and order party? And the Republicans, some Republicans, not Caitlin, some Republicans are are all for violent revolution in in this country. I think 
I, I think a lot about Richard Nixon when I think about the modern Republican Party. I, I, I just wonder if he's turning over in his grave somewhere because it it's a very, I was no fan of his, but it's just, so, everything's upside down is what you said, Howard. How about everything's upside everybody, down. Uh, every Republican president in our lifetimes is turning over in his grave right now, including Ronald Reagan and the Bushes. Yeah. And it's except for Trump. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Mark, are you prepared with your talking points? Because I know you want to talk about Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> I, I am prepared. Which is obviously, you know, that was something that happened in in August. Um, it feels like a thousand years ago to me, but. Um, what are your what are your thoughts on the quote unquote raid? Well, here's here's where I'm going with all this. By the way, I'm previewing my California Children's Hospital Association remarks here, so I need you two to edit for me. But uh, Donald Trump, usual stipulations. Everybody thinks whatever they think about him. We all know what I think about him. But Donald Trump is in serious legal jeopardy as a result of the New York Attorney General, the Manhattan District Attorney, the Fulton County District Attorney, the United States Department of Justice, January 6th investigation, the documents investigation. This is a man in serious legal jeopardy. And I think the most serious jeopardy of all is the classified documents case. And I don't think he survives it politically, which I know you're both going to tell me his base is only more inflamed and enthused when he's indicted. But it is my prediction that he is not going to be the nominee for president of the Republican Party in 2024 because of the legal jeopardy he's in. And, and, and I'm going way out on a limb and saying, if he's not, neither is Joe Biden. They're in a steel cage match. Neither will stand down if the other's running. If one goes away, I think they both do. And, and we just might see the rule of law bail us out of this mess. I completely agree with you, Mark. You know, right after the Mar-a-Lago raid, when there was not a lot of information coming out from the FBI, I, I was concerned that it was going to inflame the base. And, and but but I'm seeing more and hearing more in Washington among among Republicans that are maybe that that have quieted down a little bit and are realizing as we get more and more information about some of these cl highly classified pieces of information and complete mishandling. We can't be hypocrites. We can't be the party of law and order and police and in one case and the party of frustration with Hillary Clinton and the email server years ago and now be supportive of, of Donald Trump. And I think I completely agree. I think this is hurting him and folks are realizing that it's time to turn the page and look to a new candidate. And I look forward to more being revealed about these classified documents at Mar-a-Lago. Well, we'll see you well, at. I think it's the, great. Keep coming. We'll see you at President Scott's inauguration. Oh, please! He can't even manage the. But he, isn't he Caitlin's candidate? He can't Tim even. Scott. Tim Scott. 
not Rex. Oh yeah, yeah, Tim Scott, not not the other guy, not the Florida Scott. Okay, thank you. No, Tim Scott. Um, is he running, Caitlin? I don't think so. I think he is. Okay. We, we um, look. Look, Caitlin's a secret admirer, or not so look, secret. Look. Hey, I'd take DeSantis at this point. Uh, he, I would he, too. <laughs> yeah. He isn't going to. Give me a gonna, DeSantis Klobuchar race. That's what he I isn't get, Oh, please, Mark. He isn't going to be the nominee, <laughs> and there's exactly zero chance that Amy Klobuchar is going to be the nominee. Zero. Well, yeah, I'm, um, less, I'm less secure in my prediction about who it will be than I am in my prediction about who it won't be. Well, I, maybe, but. I mean, he is, yeah, he's under the gun and hopefully, look, we all know he's, we all know that he's a individual who thinks he's above the law, um, like, obviously, and we all know he's the target of all the things you laid out, which, so you're right that he's in serious legal jeopardy. I I don't know that that necessarily matters at the end of the day. I think, I think what what I matters think, much more are the millions, tens of millions of people who are viscerally behind, who don't even, who don't care. Well, yeah, and two, two things. That phenomenon is not about Donald Trump. Donald Trump is taking has taken advantage of the phenomenon. Oh, yeah. Look at, uh, on that point, <laughs> one of the reasons I've delayed returning to Philadelphia is that uh, I'll be saturated with Doug Mastriano. Oh, he, you were tossing up so many softballs today. I, I'm letting, I, I'm trying to help you. Jake's team came up a little short last night. I'm trying to help you. But, you. but Doug Mastriano, it, Donald Trump, Donald Trump, helped enable Doug Mastriano, but but I got to believe he, even Donald Trump thinks that Doug Mastriano is a is a dangerous nut. And he is single digits in the running, single digits behind Josh Shapiro to be the next governor of Pennsylvania. So that, to your point, there are millions of Americans who are so estranged from the institutions of government and democracy that a guy like Doug Mastriano is a serious candidate for governor of one of the largest states in the country. So to bring it back, maybe that's why it's important that people stop and celebrate an institution like the monarchy in Great Britain. I mean, let's get back to believing in institutions and not tearing them down. And and I'm not sure that the people that are supporting Doug Mastriano necessarily stopped and celebrated Queen Elizabeth II, but you know, may, maybe they did. Uh, maybe some did anyway. Um, maybe there's a way to get back. I, I don't know, but we'll certainly be exploring that this fall. Um, just the three of us today, but we'll have our friends Towner and Patrick back with us. I yeah, am re uh, regrettably next Friday. I'll be unable to join. I'll be um, so, I'll be on the golf course. So no. So 
first, so I am now leaving for my pilgrimage to Ann Arbor right. with Jake. Caitlin, you're just back, but I know you have a pilgrimage this week to the uh, Republican, Republican Governors, Governors Association, Association. In, in Atlanta. And Mark <laughs> has a pilgrimage this week to a photonics conference that he's Thank pretending you. to attend Thank in you. Amsterdam. Yeah, it's I completely confess to our audience that the photonics conference is a cover story. I love saying the word. I don't even know what it means. Mark, but you but didn't have to confess it. You didn't have <laughs> to confess it just to be clear. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty thin. I know. It was pretty yeah. thin. But it's a All cool right. word, photonics. I'm going to come back cool with a T-shirt that says photonics. Definitely. All right. Well, interesting as always. Uh, great discussion. And we're back. And we will be back next week. Thanks, everybody. You've been listening to The Beltway Briefing, a podcast from Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies with perspectives from both sides of the aisle. Please subscribe to our podcast so our episodes are automatically sent to you when they are released. The Beltway Briefing podcast has been produced by Hometown Podcasts and Audio, Washington, D.C.